Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first installment of Wrestling from the Crowd podcast. My name is Ray. Uh, this is a fairly new podcast. It's about wrestling, for wrestling, anything wrestling. So basically, the goal of the podcast is to, you know, just bring light of wrestling to those who aren't able to, like, watch it or, you know, or stay home for it. Um, you know, I'm going to give you a weekly analysis on all the shows, beginning with Raw to AW Dark to AW to SmackDown. Uh, I know there's other promotions out there like ROH, CMLL, you know, CZW, stuff like that. But I don't know how I want to interpret that into this podcast yet. But when I decide that, then I'll figure out how I can, like, jump it in there. Um, but, you know... I've been wanting to start a wrestling podcast for years. Uh, I got inspirations from guys like Sala Monster and other other podcasters. Um, so I learned that this is what I want to do. I just want to talk about wrestling. And that's pretty much the goal it is to establish a wrestling ground. Um, you know, I'm from New York, 25 years old. I've been a wrestling fan for about 20 years, I think. I started in the 2000s. I know the Attitude Era started in 1997, but I started around 2000. Um, so that's how long I've been watching wrestling and keeping up with wrestling. Even when I miss an episode, I pretty much try to catch up. Um, my favorite wrestlers um, would be The Miz. Uh, a lot of people hate The Miz, but I think one The Miz is probably one of the best wrestlers we have to date. Probably the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Um, also, uh, another one of my favorite wrestlers is um, ZSJ, Zack Sabre Jr. Um, Omega as well. I mean, there's many different gimmicks for Omega. Like the cleaner, the best bout machine, stuff like that. Uh, but I think probably the best gimmick for me for Omega is the best bout machine. The cleaner was a really good gimmick. But I think the best bout machine, the reason why the gimmick went so well is because his matches were absolute clinics. Um, so basically, I just want to start off. I want to talk about Raw. Uh, this week's Raw was pretty interesting uh, going off of after Payback. Uh, to me, Payback was okay. I don't think Payback was like anything like super huge, but it was a great buildup to, uh, to Raw. So we're just going to start off with Raw. We're just going to go through, you know, the matches, the promos, you know, stuff like that. News from Raw. Um, so basically Raw opened up with Randy Orton uh, cutting a promo on basically, you know, he's back to legend killer Randy Orton, 09 Randy Orton. Now, 09 Randy Orton was a lot, lot more vicious than this Randy Orton now. Um, but this Randy Orton is pretty good. Um, so basically he just talked about all the legends he's destroyed, like Ric Flair and Edge and Christian, uh, also the big show. Um, then they showed like this funny, uh, photoshopped image. It was all of them in a hospital, but including Drew McIntyre, he's not really a legend, but I guess people who understood the picture understood it. Um, then he was interrupted by Keith Lee who beat him, la that payback in seven minutes which was pretty huge because i didn't feel like keith lee was going to beat him i thought they were going to put randy over him uh but keith lee ended up winning the match in seven minutes so keith lee came out to cut a promo 
apparently there is a number one contender qualifier match. You know, uh, it's going to be three matches tonight. Um, uh, as you know, Keith Lee's cutting a promo saying, "I beat you." Um, Dolph Ziggler comes out of nowhere and he gives a zigzag from behind. I, I, I'm praying I don't see a Dolph Ziggler Keith Lee feud at all. But um, the direction they are going, I guess, is they're building Keith Lee up, but not super high yet. Like, he's not NXT level yet for the main roster, I guess. Um, he ends up beating Ziggler and, you know, moving on to the next round. Uh, it wasn't a squash match. I thought basically, I thought he was going to, like, destroy Dolph Ziggler, but Dolph Ziggler actually put up a fight. Um which is pretty good because I don't I don't think they should undersell Dolph because Dolph is probably uh, as much as I not really a Dolph Ziggler fan. Dolph's probably one of the the premier talents they have on that roster. Uh, I feel like you know they gave him you know his moment like hey he's not a guy who's just gonna go to the ring and get beat up but he's gonna you know give up a fight. So Keith Lee ended up taking up that match. Now I don't I don't know what their future is for Keith Lee. I don't know if they're going to uh, make Keith Lee go after a mid-card title. I don't know if they're going to make him go after the world title. I mean, but the way the picture is going now, I feel like, you know, it's shifting towards... Like, I think this is Orton's Orton's era right now. Like, Orton's going to get this title shot. Um, but after that, they cut to um, uh, Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler promo. Now, them winning the tag team titles, I can't stress this enough. I just hate... When tag team titles are given to non-tag teams. I feel like the tag teams who's been striving for so long. They get outshined by people who just come together in two days. I get it. They're dominant by themselves. Um, Naya, you know. She's she's a strong athlete. Baszler, ex-MMA fighter. Strong athlete. Had a great run in NXT. But I feel like tag teams should be chemistry on being for years. Like... Guys like Matt and Jeff, they had great chemistry. They were a real tag team. Guys like, even if you hate them, the Primo and Epico, they were a true tag team. Guys like the Ascension, who WWE let go, fantastic tag team in NXT, but was also let go. Um, You got a bunch of talented tag teams, especially in the women's division. You got, you had, you had uh, the Iconics. Uh, We'll talk about that later. Um... You got real tag teams that you could have put the belts on, but you put it on two singles wrestlers who just decided to join forces together. But, um, so they're giving their promo. They won their their payback match. Nia Jax is ecstatic. You know, she's not looking like, you know, uh, a big macho person. She's like all giddy and jumpy. Um, And Asuka comes out of nowhere. And, you know, she's like, I beat both of you. And now it's a stare down between Asuka and Nia. Now, I hope, I pray that they don't give the double champ route again. I'm honestly tired of saying double championships. So I hope Asuka holds on to it and doesn't lose it to Nia. And, you know, we can continue this double championship era. I'm, I'm past it. I'm fine without double championships. Um... Asuka then ends up going to the ring, cutting a promo. Uh, she's basically stating that, you know, she's beating everybody. You know, she's basically Goldberg. Who's next? Um, Mickey James makes her way to the ring. Mickey James returned, I think, last week, I believe. And then she's been feuding with, like, Lana and, and Natalia. 
which I don't know why they put them two together. I guess they're supposed to be some kind of joke gimmick, and I'm not really buying into it. Like, Bolt, you know, best of all time. I'm really not feeling that hashtag. Um, but it ends up leading into a brawl. It ends up uh, Lana getting chick kicked by Mickey James. Uh, I guess, you know, chick kick's been around for, for a long time. You know, what I say about finishers like that are, you know, they're simple. People do them, and they get the pinfall. Back in the days, Hulk Hogan was doing leg drops and getting a pin. Now a leg drop, it's not one, two, three. It's a one, two kick out. So, um, but I thought Mickey James uh, coming back is, is okay for the women's division. Ever since they lost Charlotte, they need some direction to go in. Um, that also led into a match with Lana going against Mickey James. It's pretty much a tune-up match for Mickey James. I don't think it was to put Lana over. It's just like, hey... Asuka, Mickey James is going to be your opponent. This is the person you're going to be fighting. So, am I looking forward to Asuka versus Mickey? Eh, I'm a little bit in question of it. You know, I don't see it as like a, a, a super match. Like, I'm not like, oh my god, Asuka versus Mickey. I'm not like all four, like the hype. Um, then they cut back backstage, and then we see Randy Orton coming out of Aleister Black's locker room. Which is pretty pretty okay to me because now Alistair Black is heel. Um, we we've seen Alistair Black, you know, he hasn't been a, a heel in the company yet. He's been mostly a face, you know, teaming with guys like Ricochet and stuff like that. But I feel like uh, Alistair Black as a heel is perfect. So if you pair them together, that's fine. You know, do we need any more factions? Not really, but. That's their story right now, and it progresses later on during the night. So, um, after that, they skip to an Iconic interview. So, Iconic's gonna... Are, they're speaking about all their time together, you know, how they've been best friends for years, and how they went to high school together, and stuff like that. That they're a real team, and yes, they are a real team. Um, they're talking about their match later tonight of, you know, whoever loses breaks up as a tag team, which is makes no sense to me but that's what they're going for so they speak on that they speak on the riot squad how Liv morgan and ruby riot they're not really a team ruby riot came back she attacked Liv morgan she did all these things so they're just faking their team um so going off of uh, what happened backstage with orton it's orton versus uh owens in uh, the next round of the qualifiers for the triple threat match later on tonight. Uh, so basically, we see that the talk between Orton and Alistair came to play when Owens was coming down for his entrance and then was suddenly attacked by Alistair Black. Uh, would I pick Kevin Owens for Alistair Black? Yes, uh, I feel like Kevin Owens uh, could put people like above, like they could be a top performer. Uh, we know that when Owens came into the WWE uh, for John Cena, he put on fantastic matches with Cena. So I, I can look forward to seeing a feud between Alistair and Kevin. But, you know, after the attack, Alistair rolled him in the ring. Kev tried to put up a fight, but ended up getting RKO'd. We've seen that coming. It was a quick five-second match at max. So Randy Orton is, is moving on. Um... Like I said, I feel like this is designed for Randy Orton to win. 
because we are in a Randy Orton era right now. That's what I'm going to call it. His rant is Randy Orton's bubble right now. So everything is Randy Orton. He's the top right now. Um, the Hurt Business cut a promo backstage. You know, um, I don't think it was backstage. Uh, I think it was in the ring, if I'm correct. Uh, but they were introducing their new champion, Lashley. Uh, Lashley as champion, fine. You you want to put Lashley uh, uh, on a championship? That's cool. You took it off Apollo. Apollo is doing good with it. You know, he had his little run. It's fine. Uh, seeing Lashley as the new champion, I mean, I can see it, but Lashley to me is not what I really want in a champion. Lashley is, he's not really good on the mic. His promo skills aren't that good. Um, he can wrestle, but he's a big guy. Everybody knows Vince loves big guys, and that's what Lashley is. Um, the Hurt Business, uh, they, they, they've, they've been pretty booming so far. I'm not sure how other people feel about the Hurt Business, but I think the Hurt Business, they're, they're a pretty good faction. I heard they were supposed to be like a nation of domination type of faction, but they cut that. So, you know, I, I'm glad that they're their own thing. They're the Hurt Business. They beat people up and they keep moving. I mean, they, they always seem to be losing, but they beat people up. And I guess that's the gimmick of it. Um they also had the Hurt Business out there to set up a Raw Underground match with Apollo and Benjamin because, you know, they have some kind of beef just because of MVP. Um, you know, Cedric comes out, interrupts their little promo, and Cedric, MVP is like, oh, Cedric, you're ready to join the Hurt Business? Cedric's like, mm, mm, eh, not really, but I've brought some friends, and then out come the Viking Raiders, which lead to a, uh, you know, a six-man tag match. Where, uh, you know, the Cedric and the Viking Raiders actually end up winning that match due to a Cedric roll-up. Um, but after the match, uh, we assume that MVP would just, like, demolish them. But MVP called off the attack. So, I think we're still going to see Cedric join the Hurt Business. I just don't think yet. I think they're just trying to fool us into thinking, like, hey, Cedric going to be here, but not yet. Um, also... Uh, after the match, I believe uh, the Hurt Business attacked Cedric alone. So they didn't beat him up in the ring. So they're like I said, they're giving you mixed feelings about it. Uh, Apollo uh, and Ricochet appeared. Uh, which is, I don't know why all those guys are together. I, I think Ricochet should be doing his own thing. He shouldn't be a tag, uh, you know, a tag team. I feel like Ricochet has, you know, lowered his stock. Not because of him, but because of how they're booking him. So I, I feel like him being with Apollo and Cedric, <clears throat> no disrespect to them, but his stature could be a lot better than where it is now. So um, I feel like Ricochet should, you know, figure it out. It's not really him, but it's how it should be. He should be at the top level, not winning WWE championships. You know, they don't like to give the WWE championship to small guys. The only small guys who really got it were Daniel Bryan and Rey Mysterio, but those guys were hanging with the big guys. Um, <clears throat> Ricochet was NXT uh, champion. He was also NXT North American champion. So I feel like the play on him, they they should they should move a lot better with him. Um, I think the main roster killed his momentum, and I I wonder where this goes between him, Apollo, and Cedric. Um, moving on, it's finally time for the Iconics versus the Riot Squad match. Uh, this match was fairly 
fairly quick. It wasn't a super long match. But we ended up seeing the Iconics lose. Um, yeah, the Iconics lost. Why? Don't know. They're, they're, they're the real tag team. This is what goes back to what I said in the beginning. You're breaking up a real tag team. For what? We're, there are sources, there are rumors saying that there's going to be a Peyton push. Which is fine. Do I see Peyton as a singles competitor? Not really. Do I see her as a tag team champion? Yes. Now what happens to Billy Kay? Does Billy Kay end up leaving the company for a little bit while Peyton goes on her run? But I feel like them breaking up this tag team and then giving the tag team championship opportunity to the Riot Squad was the wrong decision. But that's just my opinion. And it's it just feels like the Riot Squad, they're new. You know, they're back together. They just came off of two different separate mo- re- uh, runs. You know, Ruby Riot came. She was the the heel. She didn't care about Liv Morgan anymore. The Riot Squad was done. Sarah Logan is gone. And then Liv Morgan was on uh, the gimmick with Lana, the, the mystery lover gimmick. You know what I'm saying? It's two people who came back with two different things and then came back together. So I feel like that that just doesn't like go well, and I don't agree with the match, but that's how that's how they drew it up. Um, next we've seen Rollins uh, versus Mysterio. It was supposed to be Mysterio, but Mysterio ended up getting injured. I don't know how he got injured, but he torn something in his arm, so he ended up facing Dominic for the third time. Um, now um, Rollins cut a promo in the ring, and I thought it was very interesting. He basically blamed Buddy Murphy for his loss. Um, I believe he kicked him. Uh, he super kicked him, I believe. I think that's what happened. Um, but he, he's, he's just belittling Buddy in the ring. He's like, get out. You're nothing. This is all your fault. Leave the ring. And as Buddy leaves, he smacks him in the back of the head so hard that I would have turned around and looked at him like, dang, that, 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 that really hurt, man. <laughs> so... We see Buddy walk up to the top of the ramp. He's looking. He he's like, "All right, I, I'm out of here." You know, he told me to leave. Then you see Dominic attack him from behind. Uh, the the storyline with Dominic and Rollins, uh, I, it's it's pretty interesting. I won't lie, it's not as interesting as uh, bedtime's bedtime stories with Uncle Eddie, but it's it's pretty it's pretty good. It it drags you in. Um, we finally seen a a tire change from Dominic. I was super tired of that hood on the back of his outfit. Every time he wrestled, the hood would just fall over his head and he would have to like constantly flick it up. So I felt like them taking off the hood was the right way to go. Um, you know, we, we seen, we seen their hat. They have good fights. Dominic's first match with Rollins was pretty good. You've seen the athletic side of him, uh, which is, which is what you should see. His father is one of the greatest luchadors in the world. So I would assume that they, you know, he gives him the skill and you know the the will to learn everything his father knows. Um, uh, we've seen a good match. Uh, it ended in a misfire by Dominic, uh, which led to a curb stomp uh, for Rollins. Then after the match, Rollins curb stomped him again, and the the they keep the story so good because after that second curb stomp, it panned to the back where Mysterio and his mother and his sister were. And they just looked like, man, that Rollins just did that. 
so I think that's good storytelling because that reaction makes it genuine. Rollins is probably the hottest thing WWE has right now or has had through COVID. Um, the, the gimmick, the, the Monday Night Messiah gimmick was perfect. Um, we all know AOP was released, which is why they stuck with Buddy Murphy. Austin Theory was uh, not let go for allegations, but he was kept off TV for allegations. Um, we'll talk about uh, Austin Theory a little bit later. Uh, but Rollins has been the greatest thing they've had so far. His promos have been fantastic. The way he hones the gimmick is fantastic. Uh, he just executes it perfectly. He, he makes you feel like he's that character. And I think that's what, what makes Rollins so good. He embodies the character. And also Buddy Murphy. I, I give it to Buddy Murphy. Buddy Murphy, he's playing a great disciple. And I can't knock that he's not doing a good job because he is. Buddy Murphy is a fantastic wrestler. I feel like if they utilize him a lot more, he could be a, a future United States champion or an Intercontinental champion. Do I see them putting the tag team titles on them? Mm, not really. But I, I see good things for Buddy Murphy's future. Um, 10 o'clock hits. Everybody know what time, what, what 10 o'clock is. It's time for Raw Underground. Now, I didn't get the chance to talk about this when Raw Underground debuted, but I am not a fan. I am not a fan of Raw Underground. I feel like Raw Underground, yeah, it may be fresh for the business and the product, but... Raw Underground just makes wrestling look more fake than what it normally looks like. And I feel like that's the problem that that gives off, you know. We got a lot of the marks out there saying, hey, wrestling's fake, you know. But when you watch it on TV, it doesn't look as fake. But when you watch Raw Underground, it looks fake. The punches are off. You know, apparently you're getting knocked out by baby punches. Uh... And I guess you see all these NXT superstars around. You see, like, Isaiah Swerve, Scott... And all these people around an empty ring. And it's supposed to be this fight club. Raw fight club. That's what I'm going to call it. It's not raw on the ground. It's raw fight club. It, that, that's just what they do. They think it's fresh. They think it's new. I don't see it going anywhere. I don't see I don't see the potential of raw on the ground. What is it going to do? It's going to build up that Apollo Crews could throw a right hook. It, it doesn't do anything for me. I guess if they want to debut a, a, a more like ruthless wrestler, I guess. I guess it'll be a good... like. Um, a, a good uh, entrance for it, but I don't think we're all on the ground is like a stable where I would like live off of it. But in this episode of Raw Underground, we've seen Tardi Titus. Oh God, I, I don't know why I mess up on his name. Uh, Titus start off in Raw Underground, and he's beating up a guy. Uh, I don't, I don't know who that is. I, they don't explain who it is. They, it's, it's basically the the jobbers, I guess, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but he beats up this guy, he tosses him around, you know, he shows he's a big guy, big background in collegiate wrestling. Then they show Riddick Moss step up. Riddick Moss has been on uh, Raw on the ground for a, a couple couple times now. Then they, they, they do this big build-up, they're fighting, they're tussling, and then Riddick Moss knocks Titus out. That's it. That, that's all it was. It was just the build-up. You know, Titus was, was the strong guy before he got in there. Riddick Moss steps up and just knocks him out. Cool. I guess uh, Raw Underground w won't have any matches till later, but they're they're advertising, you know, the Apollo versus Benjamin match later, um, which is uh, I guess we're gonna see what happens then. Akira Tozawa, uh, 
the the ninja gimmick is uh it's just not growing on me I, I think maybe it's because i guess it's just not that interesting he's running around with a bunch of ninjas including a seven foot ninja who barely does anything uh him and our truth has been going back and forth for for this 24 7 title it's, uh, a title I don't want to see anymore. I, I'm so tired of seeing this title. It's not the hardcore title. It doesn't give me like any like s- sentimental values to it. Like it's not like I go on and watch Raw and like, oh my God, who's gonna win the twenty four seven title? It's it's not like that. It's it's one of those titles that you forget about and you're like, I don't really want to like see this title anymore. But then you see you see like a, a fake referee segment where you know. Uh, Akira's coming in and there's a security guard and he's like hey you know you're on the list and Akira's like I, I work here and he gets out the car he knows the list is blank and guess who rolls him up R-Truth R-Truth again 39 time 24-7 champion why do we have nothing else to do for R-Truth is there nothing else for him to do besides be a joke character? It's fine. He's funny. He's a, he's a funny character. But I'm tired of seeing him as the joke character. You know, you know I seen the best R-Truth when I seen him tag with The Miz. And he was vicious. He played the heel perfectly. and Which is what I liked about his character. He played the heel perfectly. So, I mean, I hope to see the, the 24-7 title leave eventually. Just not be here the whole time. So... Hopefully, hopefully it goes away eventually. Uh, we've seen the Street Profits versus Andrade and Garza with Demi. Uh, we all know Demi is from The Bachelor. I guess they're doing like a cross-promotion thing to promote The Bachelor. But she's been on the episodes for, for quite a while now. I think she's been on uh, six episodes of Raw. Uh, apparently, people like her backstage. She's uh, likable. Uh, so, I don't know where they're going with it. She's like flirting with Ivar and flirting with Garza while Garza flirting with other people, uh, Charlie Caruso. So I don't know what they're going to do with her. I guess she's just there just to be there. But um, uh, so we're going off of uh, the the feud. Uh, they're continuing this feud with Street Profits and Garza and Andrade. Um, I feel like this feud should have been done after like the the poisoning of you know of uh, Montez Ford, uh, I feel as if this 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 is just like something they just keep going and going and going. And before we seen this feud, we seen the Street Profits and the the Viking Raiders performing several different tasks like basketball, bowling, archery, and stuff like that. It was fun while it lasted, but you took a serious you took serious teams and made them into joke teams, which is what I don't like about how WWE books their tag teams. But we'll talk about that later. Um, so we seen we seen this match. Uh, it's, it's a fantastic tag team match. Both of these teams, you could tell, have chemistry inside the ring. But we see as uh, Montez is hyping up, you know, doing his uh, signature rope, rope, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we seen a lights flicker, and we see Retribution. Uh, Retribution has been the most anticipated thing for me so far. Um, you know, people are already, like, trying to figure out the members and Dominic Dijakovic and Dio and uh, Mia Yim, Carmella. There's a lot of speculation on who it could be. I mean, you could tell some of the characters, but you don't really know all of it. But Retribution for me has been, like, a, uh, one of the highlights of Raw. 
and SmackDown because they have attacked on SmackDown. I feel like they've been like a huge highlight. They come in, they destroy things, they leave. They're not the Nexus. Don't 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 get it twisted. They're not the Nexus. The Nexus when they came in was fantastic. Daniel Bryan got fired that same night for choking out uh, what's his name J- Justin Roberts with his own tie. So they're they're Nexus esque, but they're not the Nexus. Uh, we see Retribution attack uh, Montez, Angela Dawkins, and Andrade, while Garza takes Demi and runs to the back. So he left his partner. There's some cracks there. There's been cracks for weeks. I, I think I'm going to see an Andrade and Garza feud. Uh, we also seen, and it, it was probably my favorite moment of that segment, was seeing Selena fight. So Retribution girls, they're, they're, they're surrounding her. And I'm thinking, like, oh, she's just going to run away. No, she shrugs her shoulders and she throws punches. That was probably my favorite moment of that segment. And, like, the way they gave Selena that thing, that Selena, she's a manager, but she's still a badass. I like the way they did that. And I feel like her defending herself, like, made, made sure that you know Selena can fight. She's just not afraid to. <clears throat> so that, that, was, that was a good one. Raw on the ground continues after this match. Raw on the ground breaks up into three parts. Don't know why they don't do it in just one. So it's pretty weird. Uh, but you've seen Jessica Manduke and Maria Shafir. They beat up two competitors. I forgot the name of one of the girls. I think Jessica Manduke's fight in the beginning. I think her name is Audrey something. But she's she's well known. She uh, comes from the performance center. So she's she's well known. But she got beat up pretty fast by Jessica Manduke. <clears throat> we also seen Peyton... Uh, fresh fresh off their loss tosses Billy Kay right to the Wolves tosses her right to Maria Shafir and tosses her to Jessamine Duke next thing you know she stands up she's like why did you toss me in here and gets kicked in the head didn't look that strong but it was an instant knockout kick I guess of how they want to draw it so we already seen the split between Bailey I mean Bailey look at me <clears throat> Billy Kay and Peyton Royce so we, we see the split already um, uh, after that after that segment, we see Cruz and Benjamin raw on the ground again. Uh, raw Fight Club, excuse me. <clears throat> uh, we see it start off, you know, with the clash of styles. Two two background amateur wrestlers. They're both good, and they were both fantastic in their collegiate wrestling careers. They were good. So we see that in the beginning, and then you know it, it kind of drop off into a everybody gets involved type of thing. We see, um, I think Apollo gets thrown into the into the little fake audience, I believe. Not sure. Don't quote me on that. But then we see a brawl breakout between the Hurt Business, Apollo, Ricochet, and Cedric. Then Apollo, Cedric, and Ricochet end up getting beat up. And the Hurt Business is once again standing on the top of the mountain of Raw Underground. They've held Raw Underground for about three weeks in a row now. So it's pretty interesting to see that they're using... The Hurt Business, who is supposed to be these macho guys, big, tough, strong guys, beat people up, and we're all underground. I think that's best for them. So if they stick with that, I wouldn't be mad at it because that's that's their gimmick. Beat people up, and that's it. Um, we so I, I, Hopefully after this, we see Cedric and Ricochet branch off. Uh, I, I potentially hope to see uh, Cedric in the Hurt Business uh, due to the simple fact that there's a lot of skill in that um, in that group. You know, Bobby's power. You got Shelton, who's technical. You got MVP, who's the veteran. Add Cedric, that's a high flyer. That's that's a pretty good stable to me. 
Yeah, so I I don't like go back on Cedric going joining the Hurt Business. I prefer him join them because I think that's a good step in his career. Um, <clears throat> after Raw Underground, we see Retribution returns to finish what they started with with Angel Garza. Uh, they they show them coming from like a parking lot area. I don't know where they were coming from. I don't even know how you get to the parking lot from the ring like that, but they did. They beat up some security guards and they're just standing there. Now, this brings back to my point of people who are speculating who they are because when they're standing there, you can look in their eyes and you can know who it is. Like, I think someone I pointed out uh, standing with, with Retribution was Mia Yim. You can instantly tell what she looks like. Uh, so I instantly knew it was Mia Yim. And Dominic Dajakovic, you can tell because when he talks, it's that deep voice. You already know who it is. Would it be Damian Priest because that voice is too deep. Um we see uh, Garza look at them with Demi, and she's he's in shock, and he's like, "Up, oh, I'm out of here." He leaves Demi behind. The guy, the girl he left to save, he he left her behind. Now Demi's just standing there, and, and Retribution's looking like, uh, you know, I, I don't know. We might beat you up, so you might want to run too. Then we see her scurry off, and <clears throat> that's it with Retribution for the rest of the night. Like that, that was their end segment. And I guess that's how you can end Retribution for the night. But I would have beat up, like, somebody else. Like, I mean, I guess they did. So, I mean, uh, they, they did beat somebody else up. So, I guess Retribution was good for the night. I would have did a lot more, but I'm not the WWE writer. Um, <clears throat> our main event, uh, we've seen Randy, Lee, and Rollins. Triple threat match, number one contender match. Fantastic match. We see in the beginning of the match, Orton instantly goes out the ring. Heel Orton stands out there. Rollins is yelling at him. We had a deal. We had a deal. And Randy Orton's just like, uh, that deal's over. You're going to fight him by yourself. You know, we see the fight. We, we constantly see the skill, the chemistry that Lee could bring to the ring. You know, he the fact that he's fighting with all these guys is fantastic. You know, it's a dream, a dream stipulation. You know, seeing Rollins and Lee go at it, or you know, Rollins um, <clears throat> or Orton and Lee go together, like those are those are dream scenario matches, and I'm glad we got to see them. They showcase what they can do. They didn't give us all of it, but they showcased. Um, they ended the they ended the match showing the end. Of the match was, I believe, Lee gave a spirit bomb to Rollins, and then. Orton comes out of nowhere and RKO's Keith Lee. And if you and if you've seen, he didn't pin Keith Lee. He went to go pin Rollins. So I'm trying to I, I'm believing they're not trying to make Lee get pinned yet. They don't want him to lose the pizzazz he has, I guess. So they ended up having Orton pin Rollins, which was the best route to go. Because you don't want to give away that big man gimmick that you know he came in here to to do what he got to do you don't want him to lose that yet so pinning Rollins was good for Orton now we'll see Orton versus McIntyre too uh McIntyre wasn't on the show tonight apparently uh due to you know the story of him having a messed up jaw because of Orton's three kicks um but Raw overall tonight was a pretty big a pretty good build-up um, some moments that I really didn't like, uh, but overall, there, there's some good setups. But we have to wait to see what what happens in the um, I guess the upcoming weeks on Raw. But for now, 
Raw, Raw's finished. So we're going to move on to AW Dark. Uh, before I get to AW Dark, my views on AW Dark is for those, if you do watch New Japan Pro Wrestling, it's like the Young Lions. That's what I'm going to call it. They're, they're basically a bunch of young wrestlers who's trying to get their name in the business who are fighting these top wrestlers. Like, you'll see a young lion fighting Minoru Suzuki. And, and you're like, we know he's going to get destroyed, but I guess, you know, it's the name. He's trying to build the name for himself. So that's what AW Dark basically is to me. <clears throat> uh, but AW Dark is a good platform for character buildups. Uh, for single runs as well, I mean, Scorpio Sky, you know, he didn't have anything really to do with uh, uh, tonight, but he used AW Dark as his to announce his single run platform. Um, so it's a good stepping stone for certain wrestlers. I guess you could, if you use it the correct way, it will be a, a great starter for different wrestlers or for you to bring up other wrestlers. But <clears throat> tonight, AW started with uh, Sean Spears and Eddie Torres. Sean Spears, we haven't seen him for a while. Uh, he recently got a new gimmick, the the black glove. Uh, we've seen the black glove before. Um, I don't know. I don't know how many of you know about the black glove, but the black glove was worn by Ted DiBiase, Black Jack Mulligan, Barry Windham. You, you even seen Kevin Nash wear a black glove. So the the black glove is significant. So for those who think it's just a black glove, it's it's some significance behind it. Um, you know. We we see we see Spears pick up the win over Eddie Torres w with his C4 finisher. Um, I prefer his other one. I forgot what it was called. Uh, but the C4 is just it's basically almost a, a running running uh, dead man. The what do you call it? It's a dead valley driver. There you go. It's a running dead valley driver without him doing anything special to it. He's just letting go in the air. Um, Spears has, uh, you know, he hasn't been in the rankings. He hasn't been in the rankings since, uh, Jesus. I don't even think he's ever been in the rankings, has he? I mean, if he has, then I don't remember him being in the rankings. But his record this year is, is 13-8. and eight. He's not doing so good. I, I thought he'll be like a top guy. Like, he'll be like a top mid-card guy. Because I don't think he's, like, he's AEW championship worthy. But I think... He's a good mid-card guy, you know. He he does has his moments. He came in as a heel. He's was the chairman. Don't know why. I think that gimmick like died because he hasn't been the chairman in forever, and that that was completely off by accident. And his own creative control, which AEW lets you do, have your own creative control. So, uh, we 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 guess we have to wait and see what they have in store for Spears, but. We haven't really seen him. I don't even remember if he challenged for the TNT Championship. Don't recall at all. I don't think he, he has, but he he definitely needs a title opportunity at something. Um, after that, we've seen Santana and Ortiz versus Ryzen and, and Fabio Andre. Um, I've seen Fabio Andre before. Um, a really elegant guy. Um... He's he's uh, a uh, what you a flamboyant wrestler is what I would say. He's like a Shinsuke, or um, what's another flamboyant? Like 
uh, maybe Fandango. He's not as good as them, but he's one of those type of wrestlers. And Ryzen was just a, a different. They were two opposite tag teams, so it was uh, it was pretty a weird pairing. But I guess this was just a build up for uh, Proud and Powerful. Uh, we seen uh, Santana and Ortiz. They they came down in the ring. Seriousness, no jokes, no nothing. They were serious. Uh, I guess they're trying to go away from. Not the joke aspect, because I don't think they'll ever lose the joke aspect, but I think they're trying to make Proud and Powerful a more serious tag team. Because when, when was the last time we seen Proud and Powerful fight for uh, the tag team titles? Um, I think they've always been beaten by like the Young Bucks or Jurassic Express. Um, so I feel like this is like their time where they're like, all right, we're good with the jokes, but we want people to know that we're a serious tag team. And I think that's what they went for here. Uh, they ended up picking up the victory uh, due to their street sweeper finisher. Um, pretty, it's a it's it's a it's a power bomb doomsday, I guess if you want to call it, um, which is it's pretty creative, I guess. Uh, but after their match, they uh, made a promo about best friends. Their feud with best friends right now. This is something to watch. Um, their best friends, you know, they're they're jokey characters. They've never won tag team titles and any division they've ever been in which is shocking to me because they're really good as a team i mean we know they've both been on separate teams uh you know trent being on rapungi vice um and then we've seen chuck i forgot who he was with i i, I can't recall but he was with somebody um but they haven't won any titles which is uh weird to me so i hope they win uh tag team titles in AEW. hopefully They've been number one contenders a lot, so I, I don't know what they're planning to do. But uh, best friends, uh, best friends are in a feud with uh, Proud and Powerful. Proud and Powerful cut a promo. They destroyed Sue's car last week, so uh, Ortiz is like, "Yo, we're not one to play with. You know, this is what happens when you mess with us. You know, tell your mom. You know, she's gonna have to get a new car and stuff like that." And then. Uh, Santana's like, yeah, tell your mom, uh, leave my food. No, I don't think he said leave my food. I think he said keep his draws. They think it as a gift for her. So they're basically getting like real personal. I guess that's where they're trying to make this feud go. It's like a personal feud. Um, then again, you see best friends like a little little playful with it, but Proud and Powerful is more of a serious uh, with this gimmick. I mean, not with the gimmick, but with this feud. Uh, so hopefully we'll see them. We'll see them uh, go uh, farther than what they are now. I hope this feud uh, goes off to like a tag team, like number one contenders match. Like both teams deserve it. They're really good. And uh, I, I hope to see Pride and Powerful one day as our tag team champions, as well as uh, Trent and uh, Chucky. Um, uh, after that was Ali versus Cassandra Golden. Uh, never heard of Cassandra Golden before. Um I looked her up and uh, I seen I seen a couple of her matches. She's she's pretty good, but the way they established her here wasn't like anything dominant. She's a, a she looks like a powerful powerful woman, and like she can handle her own. Allie doesn't. It's not a big big person. If we all know Allie, we remember Allie from TNA. She was you know the the quiet one, always getting bullied and stuff like that, and then ended up crashing the wedding of. Uh, her her husband now, uh, the blade. So we know Allie has a has a, a mean streak, but I feel like she was a little too dominant in this Cassandra Golden match. Um, 
Allie picked up the win, hitting her finisher down the rabbit hole. Um, so we we uh seen Allie. Allie's I guess getting a build up from the tournament from her tournament loss with Brandy to Diamante, and um, I feel Allie as a as a singles not not really a fan. I feel like she can have a singles run, but I don't see her as like a champion yet. Not saying she will never be champion, but as of now, no. Um, after that, we went to backstage where there was a brawl between uh, Proud and Powerful and Best Friends. Exactly what I said. Their their feud is getting more intense. They're they're making it more realistic. They're fighting for something real, and that's Sue's van. So. Hopefully they get a new van for Sue. Um, after that, we seen Kazarian versus Angelico. Angelico just came back about two weeks ago with uh, Jack Evans, TH2. Good tag team. Really good tag team. They just never get any anywhere for some reason. Um, Kazarian picked up the win with his own Scorpion death drop. But... The way the announcers try to try to portray it was like it was super hard. He landed right on his neck. What a vicious move! Sting's been doing it for years. It's called the Scorpion Death Drop. We all know it. So the, what Kaz did wasn't like way better than what Sting has accomplished. But I I don't remember what Kaz's finisher originally was, but I think he shouldn't move away from the the DDT. It's more simple. So, I mean, if he wants to keep the simple, that's fine. But for me, I think Kaz could pull something a lot better out of his bag. Um, uh, what are we talking about next? Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Oh, Brandy Rhodes. We just talked about uh, Allie. Brandy Rhodes cuts a promo on the tournament. Now, th- this is where she got real. She said, basically, everybody thought the tournament was for her to win. It was designed for her to win. And I, I, I'd be the first to say I thought so, too. I thought the tournament was designed for her to win it, for her and Allie to be the, the Women's Cup winners. But it, it wasn't. It was for Diamante and Ivelisse to win it. And they won. So that's that that's basically her promo. Her promo was, was, was real. And then she talked about Anna Jay, because last week, the Dark Order, Brody Lee, new, new TNT champion, congrats to him. We seen Anna Jay choke out Brandy Rhodes on the top of the stage. Stu Grayson owed her twenty dollars for it. He didn't think he'll do it, but he did it. Um, so I, I think we're gonna see an Anna Jay uh, Brandy Rhodes match, which is which is fine because they're two really good wrestlers. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that. It was a really good promo. Brandy tends to cut really good promos, and which is why I like her on the mic. So uh, good job to Brandy. Uh, we also seen Gun Club versus Primetime and Rambrit. This this was probably like my favorite moment of the night, and not because of the match, not not to downplay the match at all, but the commentary between Excalibur and Taz is fantastic. Like they act like they've been commentating together for years, like they've been broadcast partners forever. They're together. Their chemistry was fantastic. They made jokes. They it made it feel real and fun, and I think that's why I really like him. Um, there was a rib that Excalibur did to Taz, stating that Austin Gunn got his start by handing out gum. And Taz is like, gum? Like MJF's gum guy? He's like, yeah. He's like, Excalibur is like, yeah, it's, it, it was the gum club. 
and and Taz is like baffled, like this kid really got to start off gum, and he asks, he's like, "Is this a rib?" And Excalibur's like, "Yeah, there's no gum club." He's like, "You had me going." So I feel like the chemistry with them and the fact that they're able to joke around like that is is perfect commentary to me because that just draws me in and makes me laugh. It, it does its purpose, you know. They focus on wrestling, but they focus on the jokes. Um, we've seen Gun Club uh, pick up the win uh, over over Rambert and Primetime. Also, the mention Primetime Joey Janela lookalike, and they called it down the middle. Taz was like. Does he does he belong to Joey Janela? Like, do they shop together? Are they family? And Excalibur's like, uh, don't you think he'll use the Janela name? He looked just like Joey Janela. Same attire, same hair, same glasses, same style. We all know Joey Janela's from Asbury Park, New Jersey. He he he's he's more of a hardcore wrestler, Joey Janela. But Primetime looked just like him. Um, at the end of the match, uh, Billy Gunn looks at the camera and says, "We're six and zero. What now?" Do we want to see Gun Club in the tag team the tag team uh, rankings right now? Uh, I, I wouldn't mind it. They're a pretty good team. Austin Gunn, young, rambunctious. He's he's ready to fight. Billy, a veteran in this company for years. So seeing him win the tag team titles with his son would be pretty cool. Uh, would it be now? No, but because... Uh, you know, there's a lot of other guys who truly deserve it before they do. So I hope that one day we'll see them as it. But as of now, no. Um, another another match uh, happened on Dark was Abaddon versus Danny Jordan. Abaddon uh, is probably the best create the crisp creative female they have right now. She looks scary. She her attire, her face paint, her eyes. She looks like someone who wants to kill you. And I think that's what AW went for. I think that's what she goes for. I believe that's been her gimmick for a while. So I feel like that gimmick is going to go over very well. And I hope that, you know, one day we see her like on the main card, you know, because I've seen her on AW Dark a lot. I don't know if I've seen her on the show itself, the main show, but I think soon she'll be there. Um... She's also ranked number three behind Big Swole and Nyla Rose. She's five and one, so that that's that's pretty good. I I don't recall who her one loss was to. So I'm not really sure, but to be behind Big Swole and Nyla Rose, that's that's pretty good. So I guess we'll see her on TV eventually, just not now. Um, Ricky Starks, my man, versus uh Tony Donati. Ricky Starks, flamboyant wrestler talented wrestler he, he was in the nwa he was the nwa television champion really good wrestler very charismatic wrestler uh i got into his style um when i watched a couple of nwas i haven't really like gone in depth in his career but i've watched a couple of matches and i've, I've become a fan of his um he joined taz and brian cage in in team taz a simple name team taz i guess um does he belong in Team Taz? I I guess part of me says yes, part of me doesn't. But I, I I would hope that it's big things happen after him joining Team Taz. Taz is a good manager. I mean, he gave Brian Cage the FTW Championship. Um, so uh, Ricky Starks picks up the win. Uh, like I said, this is this is like young lines. You'd be surprised if someone else wins it besides someone who's a big name. I'd be surprised, but. 
Um, he picked up the win. I hope I hope to see him as maybe maybe TNT champion one day. I think he's good enough. He's great on the mic. He's a great performer, and he could probably put in any role. If you haven't watched him, you should watch him. He also did a nice Darby Allen like imitation, and it was fantastic. And they're they're on a feud right now, so I hope that goes somewhere good. Um, we've seen Jurassic Express versus John Cruz and David Ali. Uh, these guys were two different guys. They they didn't even belong together. One was trying to fist bump the other, while the other was just like, "All right, I guess." Uh, Jurassic Express picked up an easy win over them, so that that's like that that's what's supposed to happen, I guess. Jurassic Express has like been number one contenders so many times for the tag team championships, and I don't think they've they've like even no no they haven't even come close to capturing them yet. But they will, because people love Luchasaurus. He's a dinosaur, ladies and gentlemen. He's a he's an actual dinosaur. Um, after that, Anna Jay versus Red Velvet. Red Velvet, uh, I've seen her before. She's put on some pretty good matches. She's not like um, not like super super out there, but she she could put on some good matches. I've watched a couple of her matches after this because I've I was like, who is this? I've never seen her before. And then I watched some of her matches, and I was like, okay, she can she can wrestle. Anna Jay, this was just the match to build up Anna Jay. And, and Anna Jay is uh, becoming one of the better female wrestlers on AEW. I mean, she can definitely hold her own. Uh, she recently joined the Dark Order, which was a good thing because the Dark Order needed a girl. Um, because I feel like... I feel like factions nowadays never really include girls. Uh, I don't know why, but I think it's probably the best way to go. Like, let's say uh, off off to a different company. Let's say Undisputed Era uh, put a girl on their team. Uh, let's say let's say Candice Michelle. Oh uh, no no sorry well wrong Candice whoa Candice LeRae. Then that would be that be pretty good. You know, they're all coming from the same company. Those guys formed off the same company. Now, having a girl and bringing a girl to that faction brings a lot to a stable. You know, they were dripping in gold, but they didn't have the women's title. So, technically, they didn't have all the gold. But if they had a woman, that would be great. The Dark Order, they implemented Anna Jay. You know, they have her as sick, sadistic. Uh, like, she's Brody's second. Even though I still think it's Stu Grayson, which he's phenomenal. But they pretty much have Anna Jay as, like, his his right-hand lady. And um, so I think that's a good thing for her. I think the Dark Horror is the best. Uh, she also gave... Uh, they also uh, gave Tay Conti a uh, contract for... Either a contract or whatever it was for the Dark Order. So... Potentially, we could see Tay Conti in the Dark Order. Do I see her turning on her friend Anna Jay? No. But I see Tay Conti in the Dark Order. So, I'll be two girls. So, I, I hope to see what the Dark Order does um, with their female and their males as well. Um, after that, Kip Sabian, he faced off against Sean Dean. Kip Sabian advertising his Twitch. I, I think that's his new thing now. Twitch and crop tops. I... And Taz mentioned this. He said, you wear a crop top. Crop tops are supposed to have a six-pack. And he didn't have the six-pack. And Taz bashed him about it the whole match. He was like, I, I, I wouldn't personally wear a crop top. But I guess he's into what he's into. 
So uh, I think that's a good play on things. Like Taz is very observant. Uh, Kip Sabian picked up the win. Uh, uh, Kip Sabian, he was teaming with Jimmy Havoc. Uh, they were the super, super, super bad team, something like that. Something super bad. Um, obviously, Jimmy Havoc was let go due to accusations. So we've seen Kip Sabian... Not on a singles run necessarily, to be honest with you. I don't think they focused on him anymore. Now it's more of Penelope Ford. So he's like uh, the right hand to Penelope Ford. Like he's out there during her matches and supporting her and stuff like that. So they're more focused on Penelope than they are Kip. Uh, Kip's a good wrestler. Hopefully they do focus back on him. Um, I think he could put up some good singles matches. So hopefully they go back to that and... Not just being a, a poster boy for Twitch and, you know, being the right hand to Penelope Ford. Uh, seeing the initiative versus Private Party. Uh, Private Party is probably one of my favorite tag teams. Uh, they've grown on me for a while. Uh, I've watched many of their matches from House of Glory Wrestling. I've watched plenty of their matches. Though they've become one of my favorite tag teams. Um, they, they faced off against the initiative. Brandon Cutler, Peter Avalon, The Librarian. Weird team to put together, but I guess it made sense if you watched the BTE episodes, which come out every Monday. So, uh, I mean, I guess they go they go together as in, like, the jobbers. Brandon Cutler has not won a match since he started here, but he's really good friends with the Bucks, so they offered him a contract. He's also their cameraman for BTE. Uh, we've seen Private Party take the win um, with their with their nice signature gin and juice, which is a hurricanrana into a, a standing cutter, I guess. You know, we, we don't say RKO because that's the, the proper term for it as a cutter. Um, but after that, we've seen Peter Avalon turn on Brandon Cutler, hitting him with that Dungeons and Dragons 20-sided dice. Uh, I think we've seen it coming because Cutler couldn't handle how Avalon was. Avalon's more of like a bad guy, a heel type guy. So Brandon Cutler was like, hey, we need to win clean and stuff like that. And they just couldn't see eye to eye. So uh, do I see them? Making Avalon have a singles run? No, but I do see a Cutler-Avalon feud on Dark. Am I interested in watching it? They're not bad wrestlers at all. They're not. But uh, I guess we'll see where it can go. I won't judge it. I'm not one to judge before I see. So hopefully that they, they do put on some good stuff that earns them something. Um, yeah. Uh, so AW Dark tonight was... Was pretty good. We've seen a lot of like uh, a lot of superstars who really don't get a lot of TV time, uh, like Sean Spears or you know Ricky Starks and stuff like that. Um, AW Dark as as a collective was pretty good. It just plays off of the feuds. Um, also, you also have to watch like BTE. BTE also establishes like a dark stuff. So like if you don't understand something from AW Dark, BTE is the way to go. BTE pretty much explains like how these things happen. Which is which is fantastic because you know it gives you something else to watch. So uh, that's pretty much it for Dark. Again, the, the the chemistry between Taz and Excalibur. I hope they keep it up. I hope they keep him as the commentary team. Uh, just keep Jim Ross, keep uh, Tony Schiavone on on the main card uh, on the main show. Let them do their thing. Excalibur could be there too. It's fine, but AW Dark's commentary team perfect. Uh, solid episode of Dark this week. A lot of good stories. I'm, I'm glad that they're moving forward with certain characters and certain wrestlers. So I hope they keep that up. Uh, now onward to Dynamite. Uh, 
this week's Dynamite is basically playing towards uh, All Out. Uh, All Out, their pay-per-view. I have not watched it yet, and this recording is done after All Out. So hopefully I'll have something for All Out for you, you guys. I'll probably do like a short... Uh, I'll do like a nice review on it and like my perspective of it. But um, yeah, so uh, Dynamite started off with best friends of Santana and Ortiz. Great match. Uh, there was a lot of spots in there that I really liked. You know, Trent's outside Spears, you know, Chucky e. T and, and Trent, the half and the Sofu half half connection. Probably one of my favorite tag team moves. Um, uh, we seen Santana and Ortiz again with that mean streak. They they didn't come to play no games. We seen uh, Proud and Powerful pick up the win using a metal baton to capture the victory. Um, so I, I guess I guess they're gonna play towards like a, a street fight with these two teams. Uh, on dark, we seen them fight in the parking lot. So I don't think it's, uh, it won't be like a stadium stampede, but it's gonna be a street fight. And since you know. There's not really anything being utilized in the front besides the the heels and the faces of the company. Uh, I think I think a street fight would be perfect for these two teams. Uh, maybe the winner would have to buy Sue a new van. So uh, you know, AEW has some different stipulations. So if we see a winner buys or or loser buys Sue a new van, I, I'll go for it. It's good storytelling. Um, after that, we've seen the Young Bucks and Jurassic Express versus SCU and Private Party. Uh, this match was basically just a, just a fill a fill a filler match for All Out. Basically, whatever two teams win on the same team fight each other at, at All Out. It's basically a filler match to give, I guess, make some space on All Out. Um, but we've seen Luchasaurus and and Nick Jackson fight over who has the best hot tag in the business during that match also backstage but they also showed who had the best hat tag to me luchasaurus hot tag is really good but it just stands nick jackson has probably one of the best hot tags in the business and when when he comes in the ring you look forward to it you know the moves you know the running knee strikes you know the the, the kick to the head uh the the jumping from the rope into the ring to the face buster to flipping out to do a backflip it's probably one of the best hot tags I've ever seen. So that's they're they're going off of that. Um, we've seen them pick up the win against uh, uh, SCU and Private Party. Uh, what I noticed about this match was the Young Bucks. Uh, they were probably like my pivotal focus because I I know what their um, what the story is. You know, with Hangman um, betraying them and listening to FTR and uh, stopping their tag team title opportunity. The Bucks, the the characters they playing off is is hurt, angry. So they didn't want to tag Luchasaurus. They didn't want to tag um, Jungle Boy. They wanted to do it themselves. So that's pretty much what it plays off of. They're still angry. So I like that they're keeping them that way. You know, they're not keeping them as like you know jokey. Like all right, whatever, we lost. No, they're still pissed, and that's what I want to see. Uh, come out of the Young Bucks. Even after the match, they just walked off. They looked at Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, and they said, you know what? We're out of here. <clears throat> Which is perfect. That, that's good storytelling. That just keeps me going. That's like, oh, crap. If you missed it, you're like, oh, what happened last week? That they're still angry. So that's good storytelling to me. So that, that was a pretty good match. Um, after we seen Jericho versus Janela. Squash match. Um... Orange Cassidy came out, 
Hager came in the locker room and said, hey, Jericho wants you at his match. He wants you to sit ringside so you can see what he's going to do to you. And Orange Cassidy, one of my favorite characters, just puts his leg up on on uh, Hager's knee. It's just like, whatever. And then uh, Orange comes out, watches the match, squash match. We see Cassidy bring a book bag. We try to figure out what the what was in the book bag. I thought it was like a weapon or something or a bunch of oranges, but it, I, I guess it wasn't. Uh, we seen Jericho. We seen Jericho clean sweep Janela. Then we seen uh, Cassidy run to the ring with that book bag. Now I guess we get to see he beats him up. Seeing Hager jump in. Uh, then uh, Jericho Hager run out the ring. Orange Cassidy brings out a little bit of the bubbly. <laughs> I, I guess I I guess that's uh, his uh, forte of like, hey, this is yours. Now it's mine. He pours the bubbly on the ring, and he I guess that's his career. He's pouring out the bubbly onto the ring. They have a mimosa mayhem match this this uh, Saturday, first ever. Jericho created just like the Stadium Stampede. Uh, Jericho is is pretty creative because the Stadium Stampede was fantastic. It's probably one of the better matches of the year. Um, so I have a lot of faith in the, the creativity of Jericho and Cassidy. Would I hope Cassidy picks up the victory? Yes. I know Jericho's big on giving um, you know, guys a chance. So I feel like he's going to give Cassidy this chance and let Cassidy take this match. Uh, so it's Cassidy-Jericho uh, 3. Uh, good build-up to that match. Their, their build-up has been fantastic. Uh, I've been very interested in watching this match. It's, it's, a, thought, it's a match that I thought I'd never want to see. But it's come out to be really fantastic. And it shows a different side of Orange Cassidy. Not just the sloth, the king of sloth style. But it also shows that he's a really talented wrestler. Um, so that, that was pretty good. Uh, Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deb. Probably the match at night for me. Um, why I say that? Thunder Rosa, phenomenal. NWA Women's Champion, great. She, she's great at what she does. But... My highlight here was Serena Dead. Uh, this was my first time watching her. And I thought she fought that match like she was trying to prove something. That match stood out throughout the night. Uh, there was a lot of chain wrestling, a lot of reversals, a lot of close finishes. Serena Deb really did her thing here. Uh, she showed that she has what it what it takes to be on that roster. And and I, my hat's off to her. It was a phenomenal match. Thunder Rosa, this was supposed to be like her build-up for her match against Hikaru Shida for the AW Women's Championship. But it ended up being a showcase for Serena Deb, which, in my opinion, like, I think Thunder Rosa helped bring out that, that wrestler that she had in there. So I hope to see Serena Deb more on TV and more, more in those good matches. She could produce some really good matches. Um... <clears throat> Next on the card, we've seen uh, Mox versus uh, Sterling, uh, the, the, the lawyer for MJF. Now, before we, before we like, talk about this match, MJF is probably one of the best on-microphone performers ever. There's The Miz, there's Paul Heyman, then there's MJF. That man could speak. The presidential campaign was fantastic. I know we've seen it before. Uh, from other places, but his his presidential campaign and his promos were fantastic. You know, he had his gum guy. He had Lee Johnson as security. He also did the bit 
where uh, he was security, I think back in WWE, and I think Samoa Joe, I think it was Joe, who had pushed him to the side. And he replicated that same thing with Lee Johnson. Um, a lot of people didn't know that. At first, I didn't know it either. I was like, this must be some significance behind that. And I looked it up, and it was, you know, he was fake security for WWE. But MJF, one of the best on-mic performers. And his promos just get better and better. I would love to see him win a world championship. Now, not really, because he still has some more to go. Uh, but I think he's going to be a future world champion soon. Uh, so we've seen Box go against his lawyer. Uh, last week they had a contract signing. Moxley put uh, another page without a lawyer reading. Uh, why he didn't read it? Don't know. Uh, but the stipulation was if the lawyer didn't show up, then MJF wouldn't get a title shot. So he was forced into this match. Um, so we've we seen Mox just standing in the ring playing with him. Like, come on, hit me, hit me. Like, make a fist. You don't know how to make a fist? He even helps him make a fist. Um, you know, we see the jokes. And then Mox is just like, all right, whatever. Puts him in the paradigm shift, and that's it. Then we've seen the attack by Wardlow and MJF. MJF looked fantastic here. Um, he, he came off as very aggressive and a proper heel. You know, he bloodied him up with that dynamite diamond ring, which I, I still don't understand the concept of it. I, I think it's just a ring because the, the last ring I know was Cody's World Championship ring at ROH. I thought they were going to go off that, but they didn't. But I, I guess it's still significant because it's the Dynamite Diamond Ring and MJF still has it. So, But we've seen him use that to bust open John Moxley. Just smeared his blood all over him. He even bit him in the cut. I, I, don't, I don't know if it was real blood or not. Could have been. Uh, but we've seen him bite that wound. And I, 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 like, to, I like that aggressive side of MJF. Uh, I think he did fantastic as, it, uh, um, as a heel. I think he's fantastic. Wardlow is pretty good as his like bodyguard, so they, they go half and half. But I would love to see Wardlow do some of his own work because uh, he's a, a phenomenal wrestler. If you haven't watched Wardlow, you should go check him out. He has a lot of good matches. Um, <clears throat> uh, Dynamite tonight was just a play on All Out. Uh, we seen, we also seen. Uh, I forgot to mention, we also seen a promo between FTR, uh, Hangman, and Omega. Uh, Hangman, Hangman betrayed the Bucks. You know, he, FCR was like, yeah, do you want to see them fight again? Like, do you want to fight them again? You beat them already. So Hangman in the back of his head was like, oh, these are my friends. I don't want to see them. I don't want to fight them again. Uh, you know, FTR has been my friends too. So he ends up screwing the Young Bucks. The uh, cut took fast forward to the promo they go outside to the ring. Hangman uh, Omega cuts a promo talking about his match. He's like, yeah, you know, he did it. Like, there's nothing we can do. He just has to live with it forever. He gets interrupted by FTR. FTR has been bringing out this, like, styrofoam beer keg. And I, I guess that's their celebration, I guess, for, for Hangman. I mean, uh, for Omega. They gave him chocolate milk on BTE. They, they have, like, a whole gimmick with, like, chocolate milk. Like I said, you have to watch that to understand some of the stuff. Uh, we've seen Hangman come out looking all depressed, sad, and hurt. FTR just rips at him. It's probably like the greatest promo of like AW's like um, their promo so far of the year. 
uh, FTR, it felt like a shoot. Uh, it didn't feel like a, uh, you know, it felt like a work. It felt like a shoot. Like they were really shooting. Um, they say, you know, he's he's a young boy. You know, he doesn't think. He can't think for himself. He needs a mouthpiece, this and that. So they really went in on him. And we see, like, them walk out the ring. And Hangman's just upset, upset. He picks up both tag team titles, hands one over, try to hand it to Kenny Omega. And Omega's out the ring. Omega's not even there. Omega's like, I don't even know you anymore. So we just see, it just ends with Hangman just standing there. It's just sulking in his own his own problems. Um, uh, there's been a lot of rumors <clears throat> and of a cleaner Omega return. Uh, I would like to see that. Uh, I think the Omega that they have now in AEW is not what I really want for Omega. Um, of course, they didn't want to give Omega the title because it is their company. So I can understand where they went with that. But the Omega they have now is more um, more silly. I like that serious Omega who truly wants to be the best in the world. Uh, you know, who was on the PWI 500 number one rankings. You know, uh, congrats to John Moxley, who is number one this year. Uh, Adam Cole being number two, I believe. Um, so <clears throat> I think seeing Cleaner Omega would be fantastic. It's something fresh, something new. Um, there, is a, <clears throat> there is a lot of heels in the company, uh, but... Cleaner Omega would be a great fit, and hopefully he wins the world title. I can see him feuding again with um, uh, Moxley, so uh, hopefully we see that. Uh, I guess we'll just have to wait to All Out. Um, I mean, well, technically All Out happened already, so my um, so I, I just probably watch All Out and give you guys on what happens. Then hopefully they play on the Cleaner gimmick a little more. Um, but yeah, that. Uh, that's pretty much AEW Dynamite. Uh, like I said, good storytelling. They keep it going. They make sure the storylines are interesting. They keep you attached, and that's what a product should bring. So uh, that was another good episode of Dynamite. Now we'll move on to the last show, which is Friday Night SmackDown. Probably the better show of WWE. I'm not really a Raw guy. Um, uh, which, but... Uh, they're they're pretty good. Uh, oh, I, it's not the last show. I'm sorry. It's it, this is SmackDown. I completely misput in order. It's my first podcast, so you know. But uh, so SmackDown, Friday Night SmackDown. Uh, we seen Roman Reigns open up the show with his promo. Roman Reigns heel. It's what we want. We don't want anything else. Roman Reigns, I'm here for you as a heel. Uh, we seen Paul Heyman. Partly be his voice, uh, which I think is is uh, due to Roman Reigns' lack of skill on the mic. I'm not saying he's terrible, but he's not that good. Uh, if we all remember back then, his shoots with John Cena, like John Cena was like, "Hey, it's a promo, kid. Like, keep up." Uh, so we've seen Paul Heyman like kind of be the voice of Roman, which is okay. I don't mind it, but Roman did speak. Uh, Roman also established this is not his yard anymore. He is, uh, this is Roman's island. Um, it's pretty funny because now now it's Roman's island. It's not even his yard anymore. So that, that whole thing with the Undertaker is like, you know, you took Undertaker's yard and you turned it into an island. That, that, that's a lot. Um, uh, Heyman's promo felt like a shoot. He was going in depth on, you know, the Brock Lesnar and all the other stuff, how they try to let him go. But 
Roman Reigns was there and he said he needed him. Like it felt like when Lesnar left the company because Lesnar right now is like a free agent that they were trying to let go of Heyman, but Heyman like he he shot he 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 did a shoot right here, and I thought it was fantastic. Heyman's one of the best on the mic, and that's something no one can ever take away from that man. He could talk for an hour and not listen, so um, that's good. He also did something uh, pretty funny, which I never thought they'll mention on the show. He called Corey Graves Carmella's new boyfriend. That's pretty funny because I, they don't really make their relationship personal on TV, but he did. So that was pretty funny, um, you know. And then we have like, you know, Roman Reigns is a new Universal Champion. Congrats to him; he beat the Fiend and uh, Braun Strowman. But it also brings me to like the Money in the Bank, Otis. Don't have any faith for that. Uh, no disrespect to Otis, talented guy, you know, great person. But do I see Otis holding the flagship of SmackDown on his shoulders? No. Not at all. Uh, I don't feel like Otis can hold the product that long. I feel like Otis's Money in the Bank run would be like a Baron Corbin one where he cashes it in, but something happens and he loses. Um, I, I don't see Otis beating Roman Reigns at all for the title. I don't even see him doing a sneak attack either. He doesn't look like the type. Um, it's, he's held it for almost a year now, so it's almost coming to an end. So I think he has to use it soon. Uh, so, so hopefully... Hopefully, I don't see uh, Otis as the WWE champion. Like I said, no disrespect to him, but he I don't feel like Otis has the potential to hold a company on his shoulders. Um, I think Roman Reigns is doing a good job of that. Of course, Roman Reigns is the John Cena of the newer era. Uh, you know, John Cena was popular, always had the titles. Um, I think that's what Roman Reigns is. Roman Reigns is the next best thing to John Cena. That's why they're holding on to him. That's why instantly he came back and got the title. Uh, even though I would have loved to see it on the fiend a little longer. Um, uh, after that, they cut to a backstage promo with Big E. Big E uh, on a solo run because Xavier's hurt and so is Kofi. I think Kofi's really hurt. I'm not sure if it's storyline or not, but I know he's really hurt, I think. Uh, but that promo uh, is for, you know, he, it's Xavier Wood's birthday. Happy birthday, Xavier. Um, it's basically, you know, him like, hey, it's my my brother. I haven't seen him in forever. So they're trying to have a little surprise party for him. So security comes. They tell him. They say, hey, the Xavier Woods is in the back. So he takes the cake. He's like, yeah, I'm going to sing happy birthday. And next thing you know, he's ambushed by Seamus. Uh, this is a feud they're going off of. And I, I could dig it. I like Seamus. Um, Celtic Warrior Seamus is good. They're going for like a a bar brawler with Seamus look on him, which is okay because he's Irish. Uh, so they want to give him like that rough and gritty look, you know, that he's a badass. So I give it to them. Uh, but then we see Seamus hit a white noise on the windshield of a car to uh, uh, Big E. Uh, Big E is uh, put onto an ambulance, onto a stretcher, and put into an ambulance. And they got Seamus like, standing there like, hmm, I wonder who did that. And then Seamus cuts a beautiful promo talking about his like what he's done and like how no one should overlook him. And I thought that was pretty fantastic because we do overlook Seamus. Seamus was fantastic on his run. He, he uh, what you call it, he pretty much killed Jamie Noble when he was doing his Celtic crosses, which I don't know why they didn't let him do anymore. But the bro kick, I guess, is okay. So I, I'm glad to see that they're utilizing Sheamus more, and which is which is perfect. And it gave him a feud with, uh, you know, Biggie. So hopefully that continues. That's a good one. 
Uh, we also seen Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler defend their tag team titles against Banks and Bailey again. Our golden role models. They held all the gold and lost all the gold. So <laughs> I, I guess that's what it is. Uh, Nia Jackson, Baszler. I guess they worked over the weekend because they had really good chemistry in this match. They were doing double teams together. They were they were really good together as a team. They looked like they've been a team for a long time, but they haven't. Um, after that, uh, the match ended with uh, Nia Jax and Baszler picking up the win and uh, not giving uh, Banks back her belt or making Bailey uh, Bailey dough straps anymore. Um, th- th- this was probably the best part of the night for me. We see Bailey helping out Sasha, helping her out the ring. She got it. She got her foot attacked. Uh, you know, she's supposed to be hurt. Her leg's supposed to be hurt. We see Bailey help her out the ring, but then kick her. So I'm sure everybody was like, what? You know, when you think about it, you've seen Sasha do that plenty of times to Bailey. So seeing it done to Sasha by Bailey, you never thought you'll see it. But we've seen it. Uh, Bailey, like, destroyed her with a vicious, like, viciously, viciously. She put a chair around her neck, jumped on it. Like, she destroyed her. So, like... Now, now to me, what is like? What does that say? Does does Sasha go on a singles run again? Does Sasha and Bailey now feud again? Do it, what happens to Sasha now? Does she get written off TV for a while? Because you know she's trying to portray such a such an injury that Bailey gave her. Uh, I think we're gonna see like a feud. Um, also, something that's significant, like that that kept like I kept hearing Bailey say was Michael Cole. Is it boss time now? So can you you can imagine that the jealousy has been brewing because you know Michael Cole every time Sasha comes out, it's boss time. So I guess she's like playing off that like she's tired of it. Well, which is better because now she's more of a heel to me. She wasn't really a heel to me, but now she's more of a heel to me. So which is I'm I'm glad that they went for that direction with Bailey. She doesn't need to be like tag team champion. She already did that already. But now they're going off. A Sasha feud. Now that means Sasha's baby face again. So Bailey's heel, Sasha's baby face. Can we see Sasha with the championship? We might. We might. We know Sasha gets the title and you know she has a bad record of holding it. She can never hold the title. So I, I hope to see where that goes. Um I think it'll be a great feud. Uh, like I said, we've seen it before, but it's, it's opposite now. Before it was Sasha that was heel and Bailey that was face. But now we see the Rose reverse. So hopefully that builds up into something better. I know we'll see some attacks from both of them simultaneously. So I hope to see where that goes. Sami Zayn came back last week. Showing off his intercontinental championship that he never lost. Don't forget, he was just stripped of it because of travel restrictions due to COVID. So they stripped him. Just like Jordan Devlin, they did the same thing. Uh, He came back last week. And he told Jeff, I'm the real champion. And and, and he was interrupted. He, he was interrupted by Hardy again. And Hardy's like, no, you're not. I'm the real champion. I beat Styles. You're holding a fake one. And Zane, Zane is like, no, I'm the real champion. I never lost it. You guys are running around here pretending you're Intercontinental Champion. But you're not. Uh, Styles comes out. Styles is like, oh no, I, I, you know, you cheated, Jeff. You used the knee brace, and Sammy's like, are you two kidding me? Like, I'm the champion. Why are you guys worried about each other? And then AJ Styles like goes forward to hit uh, Jeff Hardy, and then a brawl ensues, 
ends up with Sammy walking out like the the guy who's still standing with the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, we've seen him hit a halluva kick. I think it was on Jeff. Uh, so I think we're like uh, we're set up for a triple threat match to, for the real Intercontinental Champion. Um, I think I think Sammy should be the real Intercontinental Champion. I think he was doing a great job. Uh, you know, now that they're branching him off from Cesaro and Nakamura, that they think that's fine. I think his singles career is a lot better than he would be a tag team or like a manager to a stable. So. Hopefully they make him the champion soon. AJ, he needs to fight for the WWE Championship. I don't know why he's fighting for Intercontinental. Yeah, I understand he's trying to be a Grand Slam champion. But you, you should be going for the big money. Because um, I feel like AJ Styles, he's already he's already held the company on his shoulders. You know, the house that AJ Styles built in SmackDown. Uh, so uh, they're going to have a triple threat. You could already see the buildup. Uh, hopefully Sammy is the winner of that. Um, uh, the main event. Baron Corbin versus Matt Riddle, Big E, and Sheamus. Unfortunately, Sheamus uh, ended Big E in the in the beginning of the night, so Big E was taken away from this match. <clears throat> he was replaced by Jay Uso, a returning Jay Uso. I did not expect that at all. I did not expect Jay Uso. But before the match started, uh, we seen Jay Uso go to the locker room and thank Roman Reigns for getting him in this match. And Roman Reigns said to him, he said, "Your brother could do it." I hope you can. And I was like, hmm. Like, are they are they trying to make Jay go on a singles run? Um, <clears throat> we ended up seeing a fantastic match. Uh, the the ending sequence was pretty fantastic. The the transition of finishers. Uh, we seen Matt Riddle hit his, uh, his, I guess, the bro splash, whatever you want to call it, um, on Corbin. And then we seen Jay Russo from the left side of the camera do an Uso splash to pick up the win. I did not expect Uso to win at all. Like, I didn't. Do I see Uso as a singles competitor? No. Can he? I'm pretty sure he can. He can hold his own. Uh, but now we have Cousin versus Cousin in Roman Reigns versus um, Jey Uso. I wonder what's going to happen to that. Is Are they going to give Roman Reigns more of a mean streak? Or is he going to destroy his cousin? Is he going to have sympathy for him? Could we see something else potentially? Um, I, I, I guess I guess Roman could just play off his heel factor. Like, I don't care about family. Family ain't nothing to me. And just destroy Jay. And just destroy him. Um, but I know Jay will put up a fight. I know they won't make Jay just get squashed by Roman. I think they'll give, uh, make him put up a good fight. Is this something I'm looking forward to? Yes, uh, storyline-wise. I feel like they could do a lot with that story. I feel as if they can play it off a family thing. You know, do, do I want The Rock to come back and, like, have a, a say in it? Uh, no, but if they go that direction, I think they would. They would be like, you know, Roman, The Rock would come back and be like, hey, your family, this and that, stuff like that. Um, I don't know if they'll do that, but I mean that's how I would write it. Like, if you want to bring family, Rock is still under a legendary a legends contract, so you can have the Rock come in for one SmackDown and say, "Hey, like, your family, like, you shouldn't be attacking or hurting your family like that." We're we're Samoans, you know. We believe in family. You know, it just plays off heel Roman, and I think that's how this should go, uh, which is pretty good. Um, so I guess we'll just have to look forward to the upcoming weeks of SmackDown. I think their next pay-per-view, Night of Champions, is like three weeks away. So they have some time to build up. Uh, hopefully they build up. 
so that pretty much ends SmackDown. Uh, solid show tonight. Uh, probably one of the better SmackDowns in a long time. Uh, hopefully to keep up the momentum because Raw, Raw, Raw is uh, slacking a little bit. So SmackDown is pretty much picking up the slack. Um, so on to my last one, which I wanted it to be my last one on purpose because uh, it didn't have that many matches, but it had one long match. Uh, and that's NXT. Um, NXT tonight <clears throat> was going based off Karrion Cross's injury. He beat uh, Keith Lee at TakeOver 30, but separated his shoulder. I think i seen the injury footage. Um, it was a shoulder charge by Keith Lee. When he hit him, his shoulder had popped out. But kudos to Karrion Cross, man. He finished that match without like he wasn't even injured. He was lifting him up, giving him Doomsday Saito suplexes. But unfortunately, the injury forced him to relinquish the title. So we uh, we seen uh, him cut a promo last week saying he'll be back. And William Regal announced a four a fatal four way sixty minute Ironman match between uh, f- uh, former champions in Finn Balor, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, and Adam Cole. Um, so that's the that's the main marquee of tonight's NXT. Um, well, was the main marquee because NXT clearly passed. Um, but we started off the show with uh, Legado de Fantasma versus uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott and Brizango, who are now our tag team champions. They beat uh, Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel of Imperium, which which I, I got that because NXT UK is coming back in September, I think of the 27th or the 17th. So they're going to pretty much go back, and I hope they fight like Gallus for the tag team titles. And uh, we also see, uh, we're also going to see Ilya Dragunov versus Walter for the UK title, because before that, uh, COVID had played a big part, so it canceled that out. Uh, but when UK starts, I'll be sure to cover UK, but for now, it's just uh, what we have so far. Um, but yeah, uh, we see the story is a buildup between... Um, El Hijo de Fantasma, or uh, what's his name? Um, some something some uh, what the heck is his name? Uh, something es- oh Santos Escobar. You see, I had to like think about that because I was not sure. Like that's not a memorable name to me. Uh, but yeah, we're seeing uh, Santos Escobar and Isaiah Sword of Sky have like sort of a rivalry for the cruiserweight championship, which is okay because you know the cruiserweights need love too. We have a lot of them, and they're not being utilized at all. Um, and then, you know, we got Brizongo who's just helping. Um, it was a pretty good match. It was a street fight. It was a pretty good match. We've seen a lot of chemistry from uh, Legado Fantasma and uh, Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, would I have paired them with Joaquin and uh, Raul? No. I would have used the Lucha House Party. They could be fantastic heels, especially Kalista, who came back jacked. So, I would have used the uh, Lucha House Party for... Um, Santo Escobar's Legado de Fantasma since they're masked wrestlers. Um, but, you know, they, they, they're they doing pretty good for who they have uh, in Joaquin and Raul. Um, Brizongo, they looked excellent. Uh, we've seen Imperium make a, uh, make a cam, not a cameo, but they appear during the match to attack Tyler Breeze, which uh, led to the Legado de Fantasma and Imperium teaming up. Then we've seen a, a forklift come out of nowhere where the forklift came from don't know but it did um so they forklift onto uh 
onto Imperium and uh, Legado de Fantasma to finally pick up the win. I guess Isaiah Swerve Scott picked up the win on um, Mar- uh, Santos Escobar, which is pretty big because he pinned the champion. And I feel like they're going to give him the title. Maybe not yet because Santos Escobar is still hot. So I wouldn't necessarily let him get the title yet. I'll still keep it on Santos Escobar for a little bit longer. Or maybe till Jordan Devlin comes back because we all know Jordan Devlin was stripped of the title. But if you look on WWE.com, he's still uh, ranked as the Cruiserweight Champion. So um, that that's pretty good. Um, after that, we've seen, we've seen a promo from Tegan Knox talking about how Candice LeRae was her best friend and she was there for her when she was injured. Uh, so I guess they're going with a storyline based off friendship. You know, now that uh, Candice LeRae is a heel, she's the poison pixie. Um, so they we've seen her and Johnny Gargano go on like a heel a heel turn, which is okay. Um, we had Candice LeRae versus Casey Katzenzaro, American Ninja a female. She's been the winner uh, multiple times. She's also a really good wrestler. Um, I didn't think she was. Um, when she first, like when they first heard about her, but she's really good. Uh, we've seen her uh, lose to Candice LeRae. Candice LeRae cut a promo at the end of the match saying that, um, you know, Tegan Knox is her friend. You know, she feels really bad that she should come over for dinner and they should talk about it. And as we know, the dinner at the Gargano houses aren't all that pleasant. So I think there's something brewing in there. I think that's the next rivalry. I think it's Knox versus Candice LeRae. Um, I, I hope to see where that goes in the upcoming weeks. Um, you know, it's it's gonna be it's it's different. You know, um, we haven't seen like Io Shirai on TV, so it gives us something. We've seen a lot of Rhea Ripley and stuff, but. To see Candice LeRae and Tegan Knox in a spotlight, that that's good. That's good storytelling, and they're playing off it perfectly. Um, after that, we also seen Timothy Thatcher versus the colossal Bronson Reed. New nickname for him. He was he was he was the thick boy, I guess. Now he's colossal Bronson Reed. They, I guess they try to move away from thick, um, but they all they had an overall good match. I think this match was you know more for um, build-up purposes because we've seen Thatcher lose to Balor at TakeOver 30. Um, so um, during that match, which, uh, what I wanted to talk about was Austin Theory made a return to NXT. He's no longer part of the Monday Night Messiah. Uh, we've seen him attack Bronson Reed from behind. What significance does it have? Not really sure. Um, but... I guess it's good to see Austin Theory back. He's actually really a, a really good wrestler. I just hate the slogan all day. I think that slogan is terrible, and he should come up with something better. But his distraction to uh, Bronson Reed helped Thatcher uh, lock on the Fujiwara armbar, and he submitted Bronson Reed. Didn't think it was going to happen, but it did. Um, so I, I know we have ourselves a, uh, a feud with uh, Bronson Reed and Theory coming up. I think they announced the match for this week or next week. Uh, so I, I hope to see where that goes. It was a fun match. So it was it was pretty good. Um, we might see uh, Timothy Thatcher fight um, Damian Priest for the North American Championship. 
Uh, do I want to see that? Uh, I mean, NXT has some really good guys, and Timothy Thatcher is really good. He used to team with Walter. I wish I would have seen the Timothy Thatcher and Imperium instead of Alexander Wolf, but I guess the way they wrote that. But if I would have wrote it, Thatcher would have been a part of uh, Imperium. That would have been probably the most dominant faction of, of this time. Uh, so that was pretty good. The Iron Man match. The, the highlight of the match. Guarantee NXT champion. Uh, 60 minutes. Way too long. Um, it was it was 60 minutes and there wasn't it was a lot going on, but then there was like brief minutes where the guys were just laying there. You could tell they were all trying to catch their breaths. You know they were all fighting one on one. You know it, it would be Adam Cole and Gargano or Gargano and and Balor. Uh, Finn Balor picked up the first fall on a Kuna Gras. Uh, I believe it was to Adam Cole. And then uh, Champa caught Balor in the fairy tale ending, which gave him, which gave him, um, I think, an opening to get the title. I mean, get the, the pinfall. But uh, Gargano rolled up, rolled him up and got the pin. So it was Balor and Gargano at two falls apiece. And then, um, you know, then Adam Cole got his fall by hitting the Panama Sunrise on Gargano. So still, Champa Champa's was down one the whole match uh, with like 25 minutes to go or less than that, maybe. He finally picked up his fall when he uh, when he gave, uh, you know, his finisher to Adam Cole, the fairytale ending. They was all tied. All men were back at one. And they all the men stood up. They were ready to go again. And they just they just go they fought and they fought. Some of them would even fight outside. I think uh, Cole and Gargano were fighting outside while Balor and uh, Champa took the ring. Um, you know there was a lot of good spots in there, a lot of like near falls, which was pretty good of the match. But I feel like the like it should have been more falls. These are top caliber guys. They shouldn't be having one fall apiece in a sixty minute Iron Man match. Yeah, I guess it's you know. The, the, the close calls and the, the near breaks that make you be like, oh, my God, who, who did he do it? Did he? And then it's like, oh, okay. Uh, but with the last 25 seconds, we see uh, Finn, well, I think it was, I don't think it was 25. I think it was one minute on the clock. And then uh, Gargano had did uh, his uh, DDT from the rope to Gargano. And uh, then we seen uh, Balor hit the coup de grace, I believe. Um he did the coup de grace in the last couple seconds. I think it was 10 seconds left. He pinned, uh, I think it was Gargano. Pinned him. Stood, stood in the middle of the ring. Don't know why he didn't get up. I guess because the story. But he stood in the ring. And Adam Cole hit the last shot. Now, that's, that's where the controversy to me happens. Adam Cole hit the last shot on Finn Balor. But took so long to turn him over. He should have lost. But due to storytelling, he won. If you look at that match... It was like two, almost two seconds left after he turned him over. And the referee counted three before the three seconds were officially up. So I guess that was their story all along to make Garga—I mean, to make Cole and Balor the last two remaining. We also seen a two-sweet in that match uh, between Cole and um, Balor. They were both in Bullet Club. So uh, that was nice to see a little like respect between those two. Um but uh, at the end, there was an undecisive winner. William Regal came out and said, hey, you guys are going to fight for this title next week. 
one fall to the finish. Now we'll have a champion. So now we have to wait another week after it being advertised that we'll see a champion. We didn't see a champion tonight at all. Um, so hopefully, hopefully we'll see a champion next week. Uh, my my thing will. I think I'll go with Balor. I think I want Balor to win. Uh, Balor has been in this company for a long time. He has a great run in NXT as the Prince. Uh, I think he deserves the title. He got like robbed out of getting the North American title so many times. But I think he can carry NXT on his shoulders. He has before. And we know Adam Cole can. But I think they need to go. I think Adam Cole is going to go in a different direction. He might go to the main roster. Who knows? Um, but uh, definitely for me, Finn Balor. So tonight overall. Um, tonight overall, NXT. Not tonight. Why do I keep saying tonight like I'm talking while I'm watching it? I'm not. Um, overall, NXT was a, was a really good show. I just wished that that 60-minute Iron Man match was a little more more intense than what it was. Um, like I said, these top talent, these top tier guys shouldn't be getting one fall apiece within 30 minutes. You know what I'm saying? Um, but overall, some good matches. Uh, the storytelling is really good. Um, so pretty solid show for me tonight. I look forward to watching next week. Hopefully they play a little more on some of these stories. Uh, like I said, I'm looking more forward to Tegan Knox and Candice LeRae's storyline. Um, I don't know what happens to Gargano and Champa after this. Uh, do they go back to feuding? Is Champa in retribution? I, I don't know. I don't know what happens to these guys. I don't know what moves they're going to make, but I, I hope. They're they're going for the best. I hope Gargano goes after the North American title. I, I hope so. Uh, he needs something to do. Heel Gargano is it's not really working for him right now. So he's got to find his momentum as a heel. Um, but yeah, that pretty much wraps up NXT. Um, so basically, this is the format of my podcast on how I want wrestling from the crowd to go. Um, you know, like I said, there's other shows. I just have to figure out how to put them in. I got to see how I want them. Do I want them as an extra? Because there are some good things happening in other promotions. Like, you know, what happens when the G1 comes up? I know people want to hear about the G1 or the best of the Super Juniors. Like, I know people want wrestling and I want to give you guys wrestling. I want to grow this podcast to be the wrestling podcast. There's other podcasters out there who do wrestling as well. But I feel like I want, you know to change the game. I want to make it different. You know, I want people to have their opinion and feel like they're okay to have their opinion. Um, so generally I'll try to make my podcast come out on like a Sunday or Saturday, depending if there's a pay-per-view or not. Uh, I think Monday's cutting it too close to raw because raw is going to be tonight. I think at eight. Um, so I don't want people to listen to my podcast and then watch raw. You know what I'm saying? I want to give you some time, um, but thank you for listening. I appreciate your time. Uh, this has been Wrestling from the Crowd Podcast. My name is Ray. Thank you for listening, and good night.